Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. A rebuilding job. Energy. You know, glad to see you. Hello. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. This is a bonus edition of the podcast where we are not really talking Spurs. And if that scares you away immediately, I completely understand. I'm your host, Andrew. I'm joined by our trio of regulars, Todd, Dakota, and Scott. And we are going to be talking about the international break. And because the four of us are Americans, we're kind of going to be talking a little bit about the U.S. men's national team and the three games they just played during this international break. Um, I do think there are some Spurs tie-ins with this team, <laughs> things that things, things that we can kind of correlate. So there will be a little bit of uh, of overlap, but uh, this is a bonus one for you guys, and we hope you enjoy it. Um, this international break is winding down. The U.S. Uh, did win their final match after drawing in the f- first two in World Cup qualifying uh, in the oct- octagon, as I like to call it. Um, but uh, let's start out with introducing Todd. Todd, how's it going, my friend? Good, man. I, I can't complain. Uh, all things considered, life is good. Um, any day you get to talk about USMNT? No, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, I, it's a different conversation sure. altogether. Yeah. I wasn't sure where he was going to go with that. <laughs> Dakota's also in the house as well. Uh, Dakota, you didn't make it down to the game in Nashville, right? You weren't there. Uh, no, I, I didn't. I wanted to, uh, but ended up not being able to. And I don't think that was necessarily a bad thing yeah, based no on kidding. how the game went. No kidding. Uh, but yeah, the, but be on the lookout next time we're in Nashville because it's definitely on the radar. DSM Spurs. Scott himself is also in the house. Uh, Scott, how's it going, my friend? Good, man. Can't complain. Good one last night. Client just pissed me off in an email, but I'll deal with that after the show. So That's good. I, I, I like mm-hmm. to hear that. Um, let's get into it, guys. Three games, uh, two draws, and a victory over Honduras last night. We went uh, nil-nil to El Salvador. 1-1 to Canada at home, uh, and then the 4-1 after being down 1-0 at halftime last night down in Honduras. Um, what what do we make of this thing as a whole? Scott, I'm going to throw it right back to you and start, because like this was, this was kind of nervy going into last night against Honduras. Like There was a lot of tension, especially after that first 45 minutes, but for them to come out with the five points after this first, you know, set of three games out of the total 14. Um, what do you make of how they performed during this international break? Um, I don't know. It's, there's so many things I think I could say, but the, uh, the, I think for me, it's not so much about the performance. It's about how we were set up to perform. Um, because the first two weren't great, right? We just we offered nothing going forward at all. We had 
we were just completely devo devoid of ideas. Um, I think, I think we were we were seeing the result of a bunch of kids who had never played together in a formation they had never played in um, together. A lot of them, or ever, some of them, right? And it was just super stagnant. And um, as we get to Honduras, I think the first half was probably the worst half of football that we played the entire three three matches um followed by an incredible second half and i think that was you know down to some changes that were made and some great decisions by burhalter i will say you know keeping pepe on and whatnot but ultimately to answer your question i was not happy with the performances over over the qualifiers um one fantastic half of football and you know honestly some chances that we probably should have conceded and didn't that led to draws right um that see us with five points um and, and, and if you really think about it, it's a bit of a rant here i'll wrap it up but if we're going to have you know a rocky three matches that see us come out with five pretty good points i'd rather it be those first three matches when again you're playing these kids who who have never been in that position. I mean, going down to Honduras, going down to El Salvador, that's more complicated than many Champions League matches Christian Pulisic plays, uh, you know, over in England. I really mean it. I mean, I I would I would feel more comfortable in a Champions League group stage match than I would playing in Honduras or El Salvador. Those places are fucking nasty, right? And I think we saw the result of some kids who had never been put in those positions, and now they have, and I think we'll be better for it too. Dakota, I think all in all, when we look at these three as a whole, obviously everyone's feeling good coming off four one away to Honduras, but it's it's also the situation where, okay, after the first match against El Salvador, a point on the road, it, it was kind of lackluster. It was a nil nil, but a point on the road in World Cup qualifying always a pretty good thing. But then to come back home, get the draw at home to Canada, which I think is a really improved can Canadian team, um, but still kind of a, a disappointing performance. Then to turn it around and get the win on the road, you know, it all kind of comes out in the wash because you would expect win all your home games, draw on all your away games, and you'll be fine through qualifying. It, it's not exactly how it went, but the points all kind of even out in the end, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, if we win the game against Canada and draw the game against Honduras, it's kind of a different feeling, right? Um, because one of those games is at home and one of them is on the road, but it's important to know, to remember that we have a, we haven't won in Honduras in 12 years. Thank you. Before Wednesday night. 12 so, years we have not gone to Honduras and won. And we well, we dominated the game. We beat them down. So, yeah, the, the, the game against Canada isn't the result that we wanted. But like you said, it's a largely improved Canadian side. They're probably going to be in the World Cup, whether they finish top three or finish fourth and, you know, play in the play-in games uh to to get in there but i you know it, like we said five points is a good a good first round of qualifying we're in the top three tied on goal difference um mexico is top they're sitting on seven points so and we're looking forward to october a little bit we've got a pretty favorable excuse me favorable schedule um you know all things considered we're playing two of those games at home only one on the road. So if we can take advantage of that, come out with seven points, nine points, we should be sitting pretty. 
uh, for the for the back end of qualifying. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of that at all. <clears throat> I think you made a great point about the Canadian team. Um, I think that they are very much improved. I mean, you saw this 3-0 victory for them against El Salvador. I mean, they they can uh, – they definitely – I, I, I do want to say they definitely showed something more than we'd seen from a lot of Canadian teams in the past. Um, I will kind of point out that in that Canada game for the U S we didn't have Christian. We didn't have Weston. Um, we didn't have Gio Reyna. Like there, I mean, there's, there's a lot of, we looked kind of toothless going forward and there's a good reason why. Yeah. A lot um, of big pieces were missing from that. From there that you go. Uh, Christian played against Canada. Did he not? He didn't play against yeah, El Salvador. He, yeah. He Correct. came off, uh, no, he played the full ninety against Canada. Even yeah. that's on me. I apologize. No, it's okay. Uh, the, the, I, I didn't mean to correct you. I just I want to. You know, he he missed. He did miss the first game against El Salvador. Yeah, the big miss for me, and then Weston missed missed uh, the, yeah. the last year. Yeah, the, the big miss for me was Gio Arena. Obviously, in because I'm time. a giant Gio Arena homer. Um, but uh, what I want to point out is in that game yesterday. When was the last time that you saw a U.S. men's national team? Come back from a goal down on the road, yeah, yeah, to win a game. I, I mean, I can't I, tell I, you. I, I'll steal the stat from from CBS, right? But that was only the second time in our history that we've been, you know, down a goal in the first half or down a goal ever yeah. in in a qualifier on the road in Concacaf and won. Um, it's pretty impressive. Sorry to steal your thunder there, Todd. If you were about to get to that, but. Um, no, I absolutely wasn't. That's what's called in the business a perfect segue, Scott. So thank you. Fair, fair. But yeah, before we get on to Weston, let's talk about, about Pepe from last night because that was that was impressive and it's you know the dual the dual citizens citizenship comes in a little bit here. Um Dakota, I know you follow MLS a lot more than than most of us. And that and you're Todd. Is that a shot? Man. That's not that a shot. shot. That's not a shot. <laughs> <laughs> I, heard, I heard Todd Buckley there. That's not a shot. It's I, more credit to you. Hey man, I follow the USL championship more than, than MLS. So this is true. Same. <laughs> uh, I, I, tell me about, about what, what, what folks need to know about this kid Pepe, because you know, people are still learning about him, including myself. Yeah. So he's like 18 and a half. People have been talking about him for two years saying that he is, potentially the guy to solve the goal scoring issues that the U S men's national team has. They've been talking about him doing that since he was 16 years old. Is he also going to walk yeah. on water and turn, turn water into wine and those kinds of things? Or? <laughs> well, you know, let's get to world cup, you know, group stage first, and then we'll, we'll see what, see what he can do with, with all of that. But, you know, dual citizenship, like you, like you mentioned, <clears throat> uh, he is also eligible to play for the Mexican national team. He, you know, made his decision a few weeks ago and, you know, gave a pretty passionate speech about it. So, you know, when I've, I've been torn, but now I've made my decision. And when I put on that shirt, I'm going to give everything for, for the shirt, for the badge, for the country, you know, kind of similar to uh, what we heard from Yunus Musa when he chose yeah. the U S over England, kind of a very similar type of feeling. Um, and in some ways, even Serginio Dust last year, um, making that same decision and saying, you know, I've been torn, but I've made my decision. Let's go win some stuff. So uh, there's a lot of hype around this guy. And sometimes when there's a lot of hype, 
it kind of fizzles out pretty early and then everything gets leveled off and they, they become pretty well, but a goal, two assists. I don't know if that third one where he missed the, the, the shot was saved, if that goes down as an assist or not. If it does, it's three assists and a goal on his debut in Honduras where we haven't won in 12 years with a team of, you know, let's call it the B team plus a couple. Um, that's just an incredible thing. And, you know, I mentioned you guys in the group chat last night. I kind of put out a question and I'll put it out here now so we can, you know, over overreact to an 18 year old playing in his first uh, first game, which we have to play him two more times in competitive games before he's even like locked in. Right. Let's remember that. Have we found our our for our solution to our number nine problems? Can we stick Ricardo Pepe up there and let no. Reyna and Aronson and Pulisic run off of him? And I mean, we don't know. We don't know. But dang, he had a heck of a game last night. I mean, this is what I know is that true finishers finish everywhere they go, right? Like like pure finishers score goals. That's what and yeah, people are saying when he was 16, they're like, he's the best finisher. The, this is my exact point at this age. Yeah. So he's had 63 professional matches between the, the USL one and the MLS in his time as part of the the FC Dallas system. He's had 63 professional matches. He scored 25 goals and he's had four assists. That's a pretty good rate of return. My biggest knock in the U S system is that we don't have somebody who can just flat fill it up. I love the way that Josh Sargent plays. I just think that he has Musa Sissoko finishing boots a lot of the time. And it's, it's tough to watch. So if we can get this kid in the mix, I don't even need him to be the savior. We've got Captain America and the American dream and whatever the hell you want to name all the other guys that we got running around Europe that are kicking ass right now. If this guy can come off of the bench and give me 30 minutes in a meaningful match, or if this guy can start against freaking Honduras on the road, when we've got some injuries, I'm a happy guy. I think the most important question here is, does he keep Jossie Zarda sitting at home instead of being in the squad? Because if he does that, that he's good enough for me. Well, I think the other important question, though, is does he keep Josh Sargent off the pitch? Because if Josh Sargent's going to play the way that he did down in Honduras, there's going to be problems. Sargent needs to be a super sub type thing where he comes in and just presses the the pain out of people at the end of right, the game. Right, and, and that's kind of the point. Sargent, the thing about Sargent is he just not he's not a central he's not a center forward. He needs to play with, off another striker, and so he's a second striker. And that's where I think, you know, I can go back to my opening little rant about how I have a lot of questions about what the manager – and I, I, I'm I'm a fan of Berhalter right now. I'm backing him, but I have a lot of questions about what he's trying to do tactically at times. And sometimes I wonder if he's trying to fit players into a system as opposed to building a system, you know, around the selection, which is strange because he selected the selection, right? But Well, and to, um, your, point, to your point, Scott, it sounds like you're not the only one with those questions. It sounds like the players have some of those questions as well. Well, I look at Pulisic's comments after Cannon. I don't think they were pointed at the manager at all, but he did say we, we just literally have no ideas at all. We, we have nothing. And if you watch that match against Canada, which I will say back to Canada, I mean, they're they're a good little team, and I think what, what I'm – 
if I look at these first three matches and I say, where's the biggest, you know, miss, it's those drop points against Canada at home because that could come back to bite us in the ass. We will compete with Canada for, for one of those top three spots. Um, really, really impressive roster there. Um, but I look at Canada and, and we really played with like three number eights, just recycling the ball. Like we had nobody yeah. looking to, to connect the front to the back. And so I, my, you guys have heard me say this on Spurs during Spurs conversation. I was, gonna, I was just gonna, I was just gonna tie it into Spurs. It feels yeah, a little well, bit like a like a midfield of of, of well, Skip, Bear and Deli Ali right now. Well, well, I but I would I would argue they're a little bit better suited even than what the U.S. is looking like because what 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 I've said before on many Spurs pods is that if you're gonna play a four three three, you have to have a really good team like and a really yeah. good group of midfielders. Like a four three three is something that everybody wants to play and there's a reason that like seven teams in Europe use it, right? Well and um, forwards and that can finish, right? Scott? Seven relevant teams. What? And forwards that can finish, right, Scott? Totally, I mean man. that's kind you of a good thing. you're gonna get limited like, chances, so you gotta be exactly brutal. so we're trying to play a four three three with no attacking midfielder, Josh Sargent as the center forward at times, like that's just never gonna fucking work. And that's why I'm like Burhalter, what are you doing, bud? Like anyone can see it. Um and so I've I've been arguing on on you know whatever conversation chat pod four two three one four two three one just play a four two three one just play a four two three one we have the right personnel for it you know that's a whole other conversation but I I I think the sergeant issue is that we're just not tactically set up for him to be successful and so to tie it all back to Pepe we have two guys who I think can play as a center forward right now in our roster and that's him and Pfock and I don't even I still have questions about Pfock too. Um, you know, I think his performance in, uh, you know, the, was it the nation's league or the gold cup, the gold cup, right. I'm, is what he really yeah. stepped up. But, yeah. but, you know, I think just like Pepe yesterday, we got a little bit excited and I'm not saying we shouldn't about Pepe cause he's a better striker in my opinion than Pfock for sure. But I think, you know, we got a little bit excited and right now we have two guys who are super exciting that can play center forward haven't done it at this level consistent enough for me to think they're the guy right now. I, I would still, I would still have Jossie Zardes and, you know, I, I totally get the banter earlier Dakota, but I would totally still have him in the roster if he's available. And I think he'll be back when he is, but um, I don't know, man. I don't really know what else we do at center forward. You can stick Josie up there, but my God, he's not do Poppy? that. I mean, I mean, that's that's where I'm going. I like the way that they're playing Aronson, they're playing him yeah, more. Yeah, and is... see, that's that's my problem though with a four-two-three-one because that one up top has to be. We're, we're throwing out all these names, and there's a lot of question marks behind all those names. It's not like throwing Harry Kane up top and just saying, "Yeah, he's the guy." If, if you have, it's almost like if you have four or five different options at striker, you don't have the one option at striker, and that's wherein lies the problem. You need a little bit more. A few more options. Yeah. On the outside well, my well. point is, is that you're in a, in a four three three. That guy's going to be pretty isolated, whether or not in a four two three one. And if you if you have like a a Pulisic, Aronson, and a Rain behind a striker, I think you can sort out a few of those issues of the the isolation that we've been seeing and their inability to do anything in an isolated position. Right. Let's let's get to talking about. Look, we know that this. Um, this week and a half plus or, or whatever it was of the international break was full of COVID stuff. I, I mentioned earlier, Pulisic missed the first game because he was still coming back from, from COVID um, played, frankly played his ass off in the final two and, and really mm-hmm. seemed to give a lot um, missing guys like Dest Reina who picked up things. Um, and then there's the Weston McKinney 
problem as well. Um, Spurs fans who have stuck around for the first 20 minutes of this thing will will recognize, you know, McKenney's name because he was linked to Spurs during the transfer window. But um, McKenney was sent home for COVID breach of COVID protocol. Everybody who's you know followed the the U.S. men's national team to this point knows this story at this point. This is strike two for McKenney in terms of this kind of thing. In my mind, he he did this with Juventus during COVID. Dakota, what do we make of Weston McKinney, the what the Weston McKinney problem right now? Yeah, I, I think it's a 23-year-old world-famous footballer that is being a 23-year-old world-famous footballer. <laughs> um, you know, there, I, it's none of us can put ourselves in his shoes, and <clears throat> excuse me, we can all say, you know, like suck it up and like play for, you know, just follow the rules. And that's really easy to say because we're not Weston McKinney. So I don't know what his deal is. Um, I think if he wants to play at the level that he is capable of playing with those off the field, things will need to be remedied. Um, because if he continues to rack up a menagerie of bad decisions, um, that's going to scare people off from one of them in his squad, you know, maybe a, a Bayern Munich or a Barcelona, or whoever isn't going to come running for him as quickly as, you know, Aston Villa, let's say he's been linked with them this window. So, <laughs> or, or Tottenham uh, Hotspur. Or, hey. Yeah. Well, let's, let's leave that alone. Well, uh, let me ask you this, Dakota. If, yeah, if, I, it, let me ask you this. If, if Weston McKinney could be put onto the Spurs roster, tomorrow i know the window is closed and everything but but hypothetically right. if he could i know that three weeks ago when the window was still open and he was linked we were all really pumped about it Does, has yeah. that changed since then because of this type of thing um i would say a little bit just because i would be especially like in the context of spurs we just got rid of serge Aurier. we just shipped off musa sosoko we got rid of danny rose Harry Winks was looking to be pushed out. Like these guys who have been linked with, you know, not having great attitudes, not being super great locker right. room influences. We just shipped them out. So if that is, you know, not saying Weston McKinney's not great in the locker room, I'm sure he is, but he seems like he brings along some distractions. If you know that that is something that needs to be uh, looked at, I would be pumped obviously to see, one of our young stars in a Spurs shirt. I would love that. I would also be pretty like aware of what he br- potentially brings with him and who is Hugo, you know, as Hugo and Sonny, the oldest guys on the team now, are they going to be able to influence Weston McKinney in a way that, right. Hey, you can, you can have a really great career. Let's start being a little bit more professional all the time. Todd, in regards to McKinney in the U.S., and it seems like he and Berhalter just there's there's a disconnect there. It, what does the future bring? Like like is he is he back in, on this squad in October during the next international break and and slotting right back into the eleven? Yeah, of course he is. Have you seen him play? Like I mean, the, the, yeah, he's done some dumb shit, and I'm not going to say that he hasn't, but I don't think that the shit that he's done is dumb enough to keep him off this team. I think that's the way I'm going to put it. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Scott, are you? Do you have trepidation about McKenny coming back into this team and and 
just jumping right back in after everything? Yeah, I, I definitely wouldn't bring him right back in. Um, I mean, may, maybe into the camp. I don't know. But, I, I mean, we can say all we want. Like, we don't know the situation. You know, he's young, blah, blah, blah. Dude, these are the biggest three games of your international career. Like, no question. Just don't fuck someone for three days. Like, or whatever it is. Like, which oh, is what, with, and I don't allegedly. mean, I'm not even bantering. <laughs> like, we know what actually happened now. He, he left with a group, and then the next night brought them back into the hotel of women who were on a bachelorette party. Like, that's, Allegedly. first of all, troublesome in itself that, that like, you know the situation you're in as Weston McKinney and what that could do to those four women, right? And then secondly, like, the three biggest games of your career, just for, but like, a the, fucking okay. week, just stop. Hold hold, hold on. on. All right, hold on. I'm going to play traffic cop here because this is actually going to lead perfectly into what we were going to close with. I saw Todd roll his eyes when 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 Scott said three biggest games of, of his career. International career. That's correct. No I'm not, I what, heard I mean. what you said. You and didn't stutter. Is, and this is gonna and this is going to lead into the conversation of everything that happened this summer with the US men's national team, winning two trophies, winning the Nations League and winning the Gold Cup. Um how do I phrase this? I, I, I feel like I'm halfway in between the two of you here because Scott, they're certainly not the most important games of his international career. Those would hopefully come next winter in the World Cup. Um, what do you mean? Like those, those are in the future. They haven't happened yet. You got to get there before they can be important. That's yeah. fair. But, but I know what Todd they is going to say. They are the three most important two... games he's ever played in in the U.S. crest. What Todd's is? going to say they the lifted two trophies. Todd's going to the, say they two, the two, two finals against fucking Mexico that we won this summer for starters. Dude, I mean, to start, those are two of the, the World three. Cup. Nobody gives I'm a just shit looking. about the Nations League. I, I understand. I hey, listen, you. right now, I understand. You're absolutely right, but it's a major international trophy, right? As far as a U.S. fan is concerned, winning a gold cup every few years is something we actually look forward to. I remember celebrating my ass off when we listed, lifted the last one against Jamaica, right? The thing is, is that when when you look at your nemesis being Mexico as a U.S. national team player. Like, they're your nemesis. And you just smack them about the head and shoulders twice during the summer for trophies, which as Spurs fans, we know how much trophies actually mean. Um, so you can't look at me, guy, look at me and say a couple of midweeks game against you. fucking El Salvador and Honduras are the two of the three most important games of my international career. I'm fucking sorry they're not. I'm probably going to try to smash somebody at a bachelorette party if I'm Weston McKinney. Dakota, jump in here. No, Weston McKinney only played in the Nations League final this summer. He didn't. He wasn't on in the roster for the Gold Cup. So, I, I like that Nations League final is one of the three most important games. The other two, he has only played one of because Because he he missed the last two. to, to games of this window. To me, the Nations so. League is the League Cup, and the Gold well, Cup is the new. FA is the FA Cup. But, eh, I don't. And, I think that you could probably flip flop those exactly. in five years. Is what I'm and saying. The, and the World Cup oh, sure. is the World Cup is Champions League qualification. Right. So here we are. So Dude, yeah, we've. I don't we've like not, the World Cup is bigger is the biggest stage in football, and you, Weston McKinney, are a leader, and you're playing in the competition right now. Like, yes, it's not the finals. But this is World Cup play. Like, fucking don't do stupid shit. It's that simple, man. Like, it's very irritating to me. And this is not the first time he's done this shit. Like, that's the, that's the biggest problem here. Um, 
aside from the McKinney problem, I think there is a conversation, a longer conversation to be had, and maybe we'll do it in a second bonus pod next month um, when it comes to talking about some more international football. But the, there is a real conversation to be had about how excited everyone was as a U.S. fan after this summer winning those two trophies versus how they were feeling after this week. Now, we know the Honduras result makes everything a little bit better. But that was still not a great week from 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 the hype that was this summer. It still can look a lot better, and there are still a lot of questions to be answered by Greg Berhalter and by his his entire team. To be perfectly honest, yeah. the good thing is, and 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 this is the good thing, bad thing. <laughs> they get another opportunity here in like three four weeks because the international breaks come thick and fast dur- during the rest of this calendar year. There's another one in October. Uh, and there is another one in November. So those yeah, things so are, are coming coming quick. Well, one more thing about the Weston McKinney stuff. Like, Andrew, you mentioned this being his, like, second strike in your quotes. You know, one time is a mistake. Twice is on purpose. Three is a pattern. Yep. So he's got a window here where he can kind of right the ship a little bit and, you know, get moving. Also, in this Gold Cup, all we remember from the summer is we lifted two trophies on the gold cup run. We were nicking last minute winners to move on to the next round. So I think kind of the warning signs have been there that this team needs to push more. It needs to give more, score more goals. Um, and hopefully what we saw in the second half against Honduras is a turning point for that. But this team definitely has more to offer because yeah, they're better. Uh, yeah. Because if, if not, we're, it's going to be a really, Todd, really tough, so Todd's so bothered run. by, by us it's, being harsh on them to get to your guys's very point. No, the gold club run. You had the C team roster. We've got a, no, a turned I'm, over roster, right. a turned over back four, a turned over midfield throughout these three games this week. And yes. there was literally talk against right. the, in this group of gentlemen right here before <laughs> the fucking Honduras game about calling for Berhalter's head. Get out of here. You need to take a deep breath and Todd. realize that this is a long qualifying cycle. Todd, to be fair, that was not from from just the people on, in, in, in this not studio, just. quote unquote. It was it was it was everywhere. Well, people, and, papers need to be sold. And Burrowhalter has bought himself some time for sure. He two trophies. Dude, this squad, it, this team, two trophies. And, you and wanna, what are you and, who are you gonna replace him with? And look, Bruce you, Arena? Look, look, Todd, you also said it that all of the caveats need to be applied to this last week. It wasn't great, but they were also dealing with a hell of a lot in terms of injury yeah. and missing players and th- things like that. So hopefully when those guys get back to full strength hopefully within the next month or so. And all of this, all of this is, is certainly compounded by the world football schedule. And the fact that there are two more international breaks in world football before the end of the year. Um, It's just, it's an insane amount of football for these guys to be playing. It is uh, less than a month away though, that the U S plays again. Uh, We're we're recording this on September 9th, October 7th. Uh, The U S hosts Jamaica who currently sit bottom of the table on just the one point. That is in Austin at the new Q2 Stadium. Uh, then they travel to, uh, to face Panama on October 10th, and then they will return home uh, and be in Columbus, Ohio, to face Costa Rica. So w- what's that the... Panama game is no joke. 
it's no joke for sure. Panama is, is level on points with them. Costa Rica is a team that has, has been right in the mix of this qualifying through the years. Um, they are three points back sitting on, on two points. Uh, and Jamaica, despite their woes has more points than Arsenal. I think this round is, con- is a little more concerning than like, I think it's, it's maybe being made and not on in this, group or whatever but just in general being made out to be i think going to panama as todd said that's gonna that's one of the toughest games that we'll play in the all, all of the qualifiers no question um costa rica is always a threat they're you know they're gonna be in the top five us canada you know mexico um and jamaica probably when it's all said and done really clawing it out i think even though jamaica's at the bottom Jamaica is always going to give a run run at the qualifiers, I think. And, um, you know, that match against them is probably the probably the most favorable, you know, based on the table right now. But I think their power and pace concerns me a little bit with with uh, with, you know, some of the play that I've seen from the center backs. And, you know, we could pod for another half hour on the center backs right now. But um, but I, yeah, I don't know, man, we, we got to come out of this with, in my opinion, at least points. And I want to be greedy and say seven. Um to, to really be confident. Yeah. So guys, what's your minimum, minimum point threshold? The, the saying goes in international football and world qualifying when your games at home, draw your games on the road and you'll be perfectly fine. Yep. So I, you know, we got the same amount of points this time around. I would expect the, you know, the points to come out equal seven points is the minimum. We've got two home games, one away. Um, I think that's the minimum that we need to come up with is, is seven. I'll be greedy for you, Scott. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. I'm with you guys, seven points. And I'm not going to say it's seven points or bust, but there, there is like, you know, we, we, we make jokes. There is pressure on, on Greg Berhalter. I I will say this, like six points. If we lose in Panama and win both games at home, I'll be fine. If we get less than six points, I will start to get a little nervous because what we have to avoid is going to Mexico and desperately needing a result. Like we have to fucking avoid that. Even them at home, we need to avoid where else have we not gone yet after Panama? We've been to Honduras. We've been to El Salvador. We've been to Panama. We're going to have to go to Mexico. That's going to be a fucking bitch of a game. Um, Mexico. Yeah, exactly. So you, you, like, you go to we, Canada, you go to Canada in late January. Oh, we haven't gone Canada. Thank you, dude. There are some away games that I do not want us to have be in a must win situation in one of those matches. And if mm-hmm. we get less than six points in the next round, we're looking at something like and they, that. And they close away to Costa Rica. Dude, fuck that. Man, that's... Yeah, man. It's like that, that. And that's one thing that like, as a Spurs pod, if anyone across the pond hears this, like, Concacaf is a motherfucker. I'm not exaggerating. Like it is. A it is. It it's is fast. such a place to qualify out of. Just like Concacaf, like over on this side of the world, man, the, the the new world over here, like it is fucking tough to get out of qualification. And um, I don't know, man. We had a better start. We didn't. We need to get seven points because I don't want to fucking have another Trinidad and Tobago, man. I can't go through that again. All oh, of no. our you, all of our UK and European listeners right now are laughing because they're like, if you're good, it it doesn't take a lot to qualify for the World Cup, and they're laughing at us right now. And that being <laughs> said, if if you if you are a UK or European listener and you have made it this deep into the pod, um, please tweet Thank at you. us. And, yeah, big shout. We will we will, <laughs> we will sing your praises on 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 the internet uh, at Tottenham Depot. 
because uh, you're you're a trooper for listening to all of this bullshit uh, and, and us talking about the United States <laughs> national soccer team. It's incredible. <laughs> so, we really do. Also, not, we, we have haven't talked at all about, about the women's if you we have questions about, about the women's team, which is actually good. <laughs> yeah, this is true. If you have questions about how tough CONCACAF is, we'll lend you their, uh, a referee squad for, for one or two matches, and we'll let you know oh, how it boy. goes. Uh, <laughs> go, I hope everybody comes back with all their limbs from your squad. You're literally yeah, allowed to, kidding. like, dethroat people and maybe a yellow card. Just, maybe, just maybe. rip their trachea out. You might, you might come down <laughs> with a yellow card. <laughs> Only if you drop it, though. If you if you if it's still in your hand when you rip it out, you're good. No, yeah. hold on, dude. We we, we have to. I, I want to give the the sunny side of this disposition because as, as an American soccer fan, it's been a long time since we've been realistically any good for any consistent amount of time. There's been blips, so on and yeah. so forth. But to call this the the golden generation of of American soccer is not a stretch, to be fair. No. Yeah. Um, and so I mean, shit, we, we've got a Champions League winner on this squad. It's wild yeah. stuff. I was just going to ask you a question, Dakota. If we get nine points from these next three matches, where do you guys sit then? Is there all of a sudden no more pressure on Greg Borkhalter? Like, everything's going steadily, boys. Like, keep it up. Like, I mean, I that's depends. why I think the amount of hyperbole the around these first few matches is, is, is curious to me because there are so many. Does that make I think sense? It, yeah. I think it depends on how the games go. If oh, they're sorry. if they're yes. nicking oh, if they're if they're nicking one nils. Oh, sorry, I didn't know if that was a question right for Dakota, but I'm going to take it, and then Dakota can have it. If, yeah, go ahead. If, if they're if they're nicking late late one nils, or if they are struggling to score goals, or if they are if they are, you know, playing weird three two games and looking poor in defense, like that's one thing. If they're going out and smashing teams and and getting nine points, if they're winning a, a solid two nil or three nil win. Yeah, that's going to relieve a lot of the the pressure for sure. But if 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 these victories are not, you know, if the performances don't look as good as the victories do, that still creates question marks. Yeah. So I I'm kind of more on your side, Todd. I don't think that Burhalter needs to be like if he if we didn't win last night, I wouldn't have been calling for his job. I would be worried, but I wouldn't have been calling for his job. I don't. I think at this point in the game, it would be a mistake to make a, a change. I think we're too deep um, for it to be beneficial. Um, so, but I, I think if we get seven points, we're going to be sitting top of the table at the end of I, next I window. So, so nine points, we would probably have some breathing room, uh, and everyone would be very happy. And you know, hopefully, that could just uh, you know snowball into even more job security for Greg. But I mean, listen, Greg is the head coach of the U S men's national soccer team. There is pressure on him to perform every single day. And with as fickle as us Americans can be and are, especially about our sports, um, you know, there's only one thing really that we can call to change. And that's the head coach. Right. The real change needs to come from the guys who we don't really yeah. know their names. All, all yeah. the way up top. Yeah, all the exactly. way up top. The other, that's the where the thing, change needs to be. That's and a so that's a much longer, longer Unfortunately, <laughs> Greg gets the gets the business end of that. But yeah. well, on the flip yeah, side of that next coin. Time. <laughs> on the flip side of that coin, and I know we're trying to get out of here. The one point that I want to make to kind of kind of back him is is going back to something that you guys mentioned earlier in the pod, was about all these young dual citizenship players that are choosing to play for the U.S. It's a great job. And there's a good reason for that, guys. There's a project here, and they believe in the people at the top and the people that are building and the people that they're following. And truth be told, just as much as as all of the negative shit falls on his doorstep, 
Greg Burkhalter is responsible. Burkhalter is responsible for a whole lot of that too. Plus, if you were really scared for your job, would you honestly go through running through the streets in Philly? <laughs> God dang, what? Doing his best Rocky impression? My not days. In, not in Philly. In a not lot of Philly, other but wherever you not, got me. Not in Philly. No, I'm saying no, certainly I not in Philly. Philly. Maybe some other cities, but not. <laughs> no, where, where the hell were they? <laughs> yeah, I got to get out on Burkhalter really quick too. I yeah, I think I I will say. Never ever did I want him to be his job to be in question. I did mention in the chat that there was grumblings from senior AO leadership who does have a line to the federation, right? That if he lost last night, that they were going to really start asking questions, but that a draw, that the federation thought a draw would be good enough, right? Um, I never wanted him to to be under pressure. I I think he has a lot of a lot of work to do, but one thing I have to give him a ton of credit for right now is one, his selection was extremely brave. Um, because we could brave have gone two ways for these qualifiers. We could have used, you know, probably like half to three quarters of this current squad and mixed in some some senior leadership that could really understand how to go down to El Salvador and get a result, right? Because they've done it numerous times, or at least played there numerous times. He didn't do that. He decided to take the squad. Pretty, pretty similar to what he would end up taking to Qatar if we get there, right? So that's brave enough in itself. I respect that because these guys need to go through CONCACAF in order to do anything in Qatar. Like, you can't just get through CONCACAF with, with what you need to get through CONCACAF and then throw them into Qatar and expect anything to happen, right? They need this, these opportunities. And last night, keeping Pepe on was super brave because if there was real grumblings about his job being seriously on the line if he would have lost last night to keep Pepe out there and and allow him to do what he did, right? Um, he made some changes and said, look, I fucked up. I, I have to change my tactics at halftime. Three subs kept our young guy on the field who ended up being the hero. And I think last night's second half was more of a pivotal swing than some people realize right now. Um, I really do think that that it was, and I think we can use that in, in October to, like I said, go after these seven points or even the nine points that you guys are talking about, which would be wild. And um, I, I really feel firmly that Burhalter will get us through qualifiers. I really do, but we got some work to do. I, I do think it was a big swing. I, I also think that when you're deciding whether or not to take off Josh Sargent, the way he was playing or Ricardo Pepe, like the decision uh, you and I and, and, made you itself know, yeah the decision made itself I mean, it's not that it was a brave decision it was it was that it was the obvious decision smacking in the face and well that's he, just because josh Sargent was a, a giant red-haired pile of dog trash last night it was correct a situation. correct and 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 burhalter got it wrong and admitted it that's not brave that's getting it wrong and admitting that you got it wrong and fixing the problem and and, and credit 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 to him for doing that yes but like let's let's maybe not get it wrong next time Let's maybe let's maybe try that on for size. Here, I mean, let's just, every... can we have a, can we have a oh, PSA to every football manager in the world that has Tyler Adams on their team? Stop playing him at right back. Yeah, he's not Please. right. Get him, in, get him in the middle. Put him in the middle of the field. Every mm-hmm. manager that has managed, managed Tyler Adams tries to make him play right back. Just yeah. stop it. Just put him in the middle of the field. Let him run the park. Yeah. All right, guys. <laughs> this thing has already run about fifteen minutes longer than we intended. Uh, and if you have made it to the end of this nonsense. You are a true listener of the Tottenham Depot because we didn't even cover what this podcast is really all about, and that is Tottenham Hotspur. We're probably going to do another one of these, though, next month after the next international break. So if you like a a bonus pod edition, 
talking American uh, sports, which really only caters to about two thirds of our audience. Uh, we appreciate you for listening. Uh, we will be back uh, to talk Spurs in our next podcast, which is what we actually do here. Uh, and we love doing that. And, but we love this as well. This is just more, more of an opportunity for us to, to reach the masses and reach uh, an audience that may be looking for just a little something different from this podcast, which is cool. You can follow us at, at Tottenham Depot. You can follow Scott at DSM Spurs, follow Dakota at Dakota J Booth, follow Todd at TC underscore Kasho, follow myself at a Stetka. This has been a fun one guys. Uh, I'm not going to do the regular sign off. I'm just going to say, uh, we appreciate the listen and we will talk to you guys again next month when it comes to American soccer and <laughs> world cup qualifying. Uh, I guess come on you U S men's national team. <laughs> Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, who really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always, come on, you Spurs. <laughs>